Welcome to Behind the Line, where we pull back the curtain on the challenges facing first responders and frontline workers. The work you do is unique, and so are the stresses that go with it. Join me as we tackle key issues to reduce risks for burnout, and as we work to support you in doing the job you love without sacrificing being the kind of person you want to be. Hey there, and welcome back to Behind the Line. I'm your host, Lindsay Foss. If you're new to Behind the Line, what you should know about me is that I'm a clinical counselor specializing in trauma therapy. And after over a decade working with first responders and frontline workers around issues like burnout, compassion fatigue, PTSD, and related OSIs, I have become a passionate wellness advocate and educator for those who sacrifice so much for our communities out on the front lines. Behind the Line is a place for us to talk about the real life behind the scenes challenges facing you on the front lines. I created this podcast with the hope of bringing easy access to skills for wellness, allowing you to find greater sustainability both on the job and off. If you missed the intro to our latest series last week, here's a quick recap. Based on listener feedback, we received a request to talk about how to know when you're done the work of trauma processing and what to do once you've quote unquote done the work of therapy or healing. If you missed last week, you'll want to be sure to go back and start there as it was part one of a two-part intro around how to know when you're done the work. And today's episode follows closely as part two. In last week's episode, we talked about what it means to do the work of processing experiences and healing from trauma and related concerns. And we began to unpack some of the things I look for in my clients that help me know we've come a long way and that we're through the bulk of the work. Today, I'm going to give you the rest of the things I look for in my clients and encourage them to notice in themselves. I hope that this will give you an anchor point, something to check against your own experience to help you know where you're at in the process, and hopefully encourage you that you've come further than you might think. Now, as I mentioned last week, it is important to understand that we're never really and truly completely done working on ourselves. I think we all recognize that we are always a work in progress, As we heal pieces of our experience, we may discover new awareness of other things that need attention and healing. We may continue to confront new exposure to stress, trauma, and related difficulties that lead us into new needs for healing. Heads up, this is a very real risk factor in your line of work. And we may continue to face new situations that bring up old things for us, in ways we may not have expected or been able to predict for. None of this means that you haven't done a great job at working on your shit. It just means that you are human like the rest of us, and none of us is promised absolute completion and perfection in this life. I say this because it's important that we have grace for ourselves our process, and the continuing unfolding that is our lives. We can only do and control so much. Life will continue to happen to us and around us, and 
Part of living and loving in this world means to also experience hurt, strain, and suffering. Measuring your accomplishment of the work of healing cannot come from being absent of hardship. That's not how life works. So what can we measure it by? I gave you three things last week, including number one, you're not ignoring, avoiding, and distracting a substantial amount of the time. Number two, coping feels established and stable. And number three, we are aware of our common triggers, the feeling of being triggered, and have a toolkit to support us. Carrying on from there, here's what you can look for. Number four, you are noticing that you are generally experiencing more good days than not, or that you are better able to hold the tension that a day is not defined wholly by negative experiences. I remember one of the most profound things I have heard someone say was in a class I took on addictions. Our professor brought in two men who were recovering addicts, and one of them said this thing that I wrote down in my daytimer back then, and I rewrote a number of times in new daytimers in years since then, and I reflect on it often. He said, I learned that I can't let a bad minute turn into a bad hour, turn into a bad day, turn into a bad week, and so on. What he was talking about was the slippery slope that our brain can be when something hard or perceived as bad happens to us or around us. If we aren't careful of our mindset or allow our stress center to take the ball and run with it, it will run down a path that says everything is ruined. The whole day is bad, maybe even the week, maybe even my life. When trauma and stress are telling our story, they tell it from this kind of lens. As we heal, we start to discover pockets of curiosity where maybe not everything is terrible all of the time. Maybe I'm not terrible all of the time. We start to hold newfound tensions that hard things can happen and that I can also be okay. That we can allow our minutes and hours and days and so on to be defined not only by my perception of hardship, but also by my perception of goodness. As we heal, it's a bit like a horse wearing blinders. The blinders start to open up and gradually come off allowing us to not just see what's straight ahead of us, but far more context and periphery. We get exposure to not just the stressful thing before us, but have access to the care we experience, the connection to hope, the memories of fun. And together, this offers us a more well-rounded and accurate experience of the world within which we exist. Number five, problems are more present tense than past. If you are a loyal listener of this show, 
you'll know that the part of your brain that manages stress and trauma responses doesn't have a clock. What that means is that it experiences all stress and trauma as if it's occurring in the present moment. Even when we're recalling events long since over and done with. Last week, I quickly summarized that the process of healing from trauma and stress concerns involves helping our brain to relocate stress-related memories to the parts of your brain that are meant to hold and contain contextualized memory recall. As we do this, our experiences begin to feel old, distant, a little bit faded, and contextualized within the time and conditions within which it happened. We can recall experiences without feeling like we're reliving them. And we can recognize that we did what we could and that it's over now. As we heal and experience this distancing from past experiences, we get to interact more with present-day problems. There's room for the present-day problems. And when we interact with them, they're less triggering to the past and less informed by reactions that come from being triggered. You'll notice that the problems you bring up with people, your therapist, trusted friends, or loved ones, will have a more current-day context. There are still problems, they're still impactful, but they are real problems that we can interact with and make choices around now, not things long gone that we have no more influence over changing. Behind the Line is sponsored by Beating the Breaking Point. Beating the Breaking Point is a seven-part online training program designed specifically for first responders and frontline workers and tailored to fill the gaps in your training to support resilience and sustainability. Whether you're new to the work and wanting to cultivate tools to prevent burnout, compassion fatigue, and related concerns, or you are deep into your years on the job and have gone a few rounds with burnout and other mental health challenges, this program offers the foundational pieces you need to support personal and professional wellness for the long haul. You are a helper, you love your work, and you sacrifice a lot. Investing in you and your sustainability is the best gift you can give yourself and those who lean on you. We make this program as risk-free as possible by offering a limited money-back guarantee to ensure that it's a fit for you. If you enjoy Behind the Line, you are going to love this program. Google Beating the Breaking Point Lindsay and find everything you need to get started or use the link in the show notes. Now, back to the episode. Number six, closely connected to number five, problems feel proportionate to present stressors and less informed by past experiences showing up in the present. This is really connected to that triggering piece. If you haven't heard us talk about triggering on the show before, go check out our Trigger Happy series, Season 2, Episodes 22 to 25. 
Triggering is what happens when our stress center is still holding a lot of our memories and keeping them highly activated in a largely misguided effort to protect us. When present-day problems happen, our stress center is scanning those experiences for any hint of connection to our past stressful or traumatic experiences with the goal of preventing the present-day problem from turning into experiences like our trauma again. When this happens, our reactions to present-day problems tend to be extremely disproportionate to the current situation. We're conflating things. We're highly reactive and likely to have our reaction be really out of whack with what the current situation would normally call for. We see this come up a lot in conflicts with partners and kids where reactions are intensely disproportionate, but it may also show up at work or driving in traffic or other random places. When we have done the bulk of the healing work, our brains have relocated our trauma and stress memories and contextualized them in a way where we can notice the difference between now and then. As this happens, we are able to remain more present in situations and respond to them in a way that is more in line with what the situation in its purest form right now needs from us. This doesn't mean we won't still have reactive moments because, hey, we're human, but they'll be reactive because this moment genuinely calls for it. Not because I'm so triggered by past experiences that I can't see the forest for the trees and become overreactive to the current scenario. Number seven, I'm able to be calm and connected rather than calm and disconnected. This is one of my favorite things to ask my clients about. Often, I have clients who will come in and share that they've been feeling calmer lately. And the question I always ask is, are you calm and connected or calm and disconnected? Depending on where they are in the process, calm and disconnected is often the answer. As we move through trauma processing, sometimes the brain feels threatened at the thought of relocating trauma memories and experiences. Your brain believes it needs these to keep you as safe as possible from them happening again. What this can mean is that your brain will learn to dissociate, which really just means tuning you out for periods of time in an effort to cope and keep you from moving through the work of processing. Dissociation often does feel like calm. We feel kind of numb and tuned out, but that's not the same as healed. It's actually its own version of a stress response and a defining feature of being not done the work, depending on the degree and extent to which we're experiencing it. When we've done really good healing work, we can experience spaces of being in our bodies and feeling calm and connected to ourselves and the world around us as opposed to calm thanks to disconnected, dissociative efforts at coping. Number eight, 
support systems are beginning to emerge and are intentional as an area for development. Support systems don't manifest themselves overnight. They take work to create and cultivate and effort to maintain and grow. Healing isn't defined in and of itself by having this full formed and strongly in place, but it is defined by the effort to move in this direction with conscious intention and valuing. People who have done really good healing work see where they need support and see what they bring to others and where they can offer support. They are willing to seek out support, risk in conscientious and safe ways, and enter into relationships with their own boundaries mindfully in place and a willingness to engage with the boundaries of others. This topic of boundaries and support systems is a whole topic that we go into a lot of detail in, in the Beating the Breaking Point Resilience Training Program, because it is a significant facet of healthy human living and can be extremely challenging and nuanced for people who have done a lot of work to self-protect from others for long periods of time. If this is an area that you need to work on, consider checking out the course. Links are in the show notes if you want them. Number nine, competency in regular and consistent self-check-ins to assess for blips and identify needed actions to stay on track. People have invested their time and effort, blood, sweat, and tears into the work know how hard it really is and that they don't want to have to start from scratch and do it all over again. They're also able to be more in tune with themselves, their needs, and the indicators that alert them to something being needed. They invest time and energy on an ongoing basis to pause, self-assess, check in with how they're doing, and consider what their needs might be. They're willing to interact with their own needs, increasing in their comfort and familiarity in recognizing their needs, being okay with having them and honoring that this is part of the human experience, and prepared to engage in seeking out pieces that support and meet the needs. People who have done the bulk of the work take ownership over their needs. While they may rely on others to support their needs and ask for help in meeting needs, they understand and are willing to engage as the one who intuits the needs and activates the steps to support the needs, rather than expecting others to interpret and provide need-meeting solutions without prompting or guidance. The work teaches us about ourselves and where we've missed ourselves. It also teaches us about where we wished for saving and shows us that we are the ones who have to step in to save ourselves by engaging in the work of healing. We learn that we have to choose us. We have to decide we are worth our own efforts. And as we do this in the work, we emerge from the thick parts of the work, willing and able to be considerate of ourselves as we would be for others. 
we're willing and able to be engaged with caring for ourselves the same way we would in any other relationship. And number 10, willingness to recognize new or emerging areas of concern and re-engage the work to process it. Piggybacking on number nine, not only do we check in with ourselves and use our existing tools to support ourselves staying on track, we also check in and notice when our existing tools aren't answering the needs the way they used to. We're willing to see the places where new gaps are forming, new needs are taking shape. We as people are evolving and the needs we have are shifting alongside us. And with this, People who have done the work are prepared to be open to new possibilities. They're willing to risk some discomfort to try new things. They're willing to have some things that fail while seeking out what serves them. They believe that they are worth experimenting for to find what serves them better. They are seeing the gap sooner so that they have the buffer to be able to sustain some challenges in seeking out new solutions without feeling like this risks it all and brings them to the edge of their capacity. They're able to acknowledge when they need to resume the work and often far more quickly. They engage in touch-ins with their supports and professionals to catch new disruptions early, that any new work isn't left until we're falling apart, rather we're catching it and dealing with it the way we wish we could have when we reflect on our original healing journey. It's conscious and brave and preventative, allowing us to be better versions of ourselves, more sustainable versions of ourselves, for ourselves, for those we care about, and for the work we continue to want to participate in. Okay, there you have it. It's likely not a comprehensive list of things to look for, but for me, these are the heavy hitters, and I'm curious how it feels to sit with them and use them as a reference point against your own journey. Wherever you're at, I would love to hear about it. Connect with me, whether it's on social media by commenting on some of our Connect Point posts, or shooting me a DM, or sending me an email. I would love to hear about your journey in this. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Lindsay A. Foss, or you can email me at support at thrive-life.ca. And you can find all of those contact points in the show notes. If you value this podcast and want to help us in our mission to support frontline wellness, There are three ways that you can do exactly that. Number one, rate and review behind the line on Apple podcast or wherever you're listening. Number two, follow me on social media at Lindsay A. Foss and engage with me and this amazing little community that we're building there. Every time you like, comment, and share our posts, You have power to help us spread like wildfire, thanks to the magical algorithm. And number three, share this resource and our other resources with those you know. Whether that's forwarding our weekly newsletters on to your friends and coworkers, listening to the podcast as part of a team meeting, 
or using our burnout indicators checklist and triage guide as a staff-wide tool, every little bit helps us to take our mission to the next level and serve those who are sacrificing so much to serve our communities out on the front lines. Know that we can be found online on our website, on most major podcast platforms, as well as on YouTube. We make all of our resources available to you because the work you do matters. But more than that, you as a person matter. And we want to make sure that you have what you need to keep up the good work at work, as well as in your real life outside of the work. So use it and share it. And until next time, stay safe.